0: Hi, it's Erica Kohlberg, and before we dive into today's podcast episode, I have an exciting announcement that can help you save an extra $1,000 without having to penny pinch or change your lifestyle. On Monday, I'm running my free five-day savings challenge, where you'll discover simple and creative ways that you can save extra money every month, and whatever you want to do with that extra money is up to you. I'll just show you how to save it. The challenge is totally free to join. All you need to do is go to erica.com go. Erica is with a K and you can secure your spot. By the way, these strategies that you're going to discover can help you easily save money, whether you're a budgeting novice or a finance expert, and they're going to get better and better throughout the week. But I have to tell you, I'm so excited about this and don't want you to miss out. In November of last year, we ran a savings challenge and had over 200,000 people sign up. And on average, people saved $1,005 that month through what they learned in the challenge. That means our challengers collectively saved over $200 million. So trust me when I say you don't want to miss out on this one. And the deadline to sign up to be part of this free challenge is Sunday, 1159 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you secure your spot and get free access today. Again, that's Erica.com slash go, E-R-I-K-A dot com slash go. See you inside.
1: Before I was 19, I'm $35,000 in debt.
0: When did you have your aha moment?
1: Because I remember one time. Seeing my mom cry after a bill collector called her just really hit me there like, hey, the caliber of my future will be determined by the choices that I make and I have to make better choices and own the choices that I did. Anthony O'Neill is a best-selling author, course creator, host, speaker, and educator. He is passionate about helping people build wealth and find their purpose in life. Hey, your life is in your hands and you got to take control of your life. You got to invest into yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to start learning. I want to show the world that you can be
0: successful financially. I'm Erica Kohlberg, and you're listening to the Erica Taught Me Podcast. You guys know that I love investing because you know that if your money is just sitting in a bank account, you're losing out to inflation every single year. That's why you invest it so that it grows for you without you having to put in any extra work. I've been using an investing app called Weeble for almost four years, and I had them do something really special for my listeners. By using my link to sign up today, you can get between 6 to 12 fractional shares for free. All you need to do is open an account and deposit any amount, even a dollar, to claim your free shares. So just by depositing a dollar, you'll get between 6 to 12 free fractional shares. And if you're wondering what to actually invest in, we talk all about investing in episode 28. So go ahead and listen to that episode. To claim your free shares through my special link, just go to ericataughtme.com invest or click the link in the show notes. And it's Erica with a K. Again, that's ericataughtme.com invest. What was your earliest money memory?
1: Ooh, e man, I had to be maybe 10 years old and my dad pulled up a chair, not a stepping stool, a little chair that we sit on and said, hey, you got to wash these dishes. And if you wash these dishes, I'm going to give you $1. That's my (laughs) first money memory is the first dollar I ever remember having was with me spending an hour and a half washing dishes. And I thought I was just rich because (laughs) I had a dollar. But it was a good learning experience because that was my dad's way of saying, hey, in exchange for money, you gotta work. You gotta do something. So you just can't get a handout. Because I used to ask my dad for candy and for ice cream and all that kind of stuff. And he said, hey, cool, great. You want some money? Pulled up a chair. I stood up on it, he ran the water, he ran the soap suds. Now I washed the dishes. (laughs) And he gave me $1. And now that I'm older, my dad, you robbed me, man. (laughs) $1, (laughs) hour and a half of my time? Come on, dad, that wasn't even minimum wage. (laughs) But that was my first money memory, though, and I love it, though.
0: Were your parents good with money?
1: You know, if I say that, you'll get me in trouble, E, because uh, you know, my mom and dad, they love your show. So I would definitely say at that time, they were not as good as, as what they should have been. Mm. They're much better now. But back then, no, we, I would definitely say respectfully, we we were living paycheck to paycheck at that time. But my father and mother always tried to make sure that they weren't doing the right thing. They wanted to make sure they set us up to do the right thing. And I respect that.
0: When did you first start making big decisions about money? And what do you think was the biggest money mistake that you made?
1: You know, big decisions with money. Well, the biggest mistake that I ever made was that I think that started my downward path of getting money was uh, taking out student loans when I didn't need to take out any student loans. You know, so my father uh, went, it was in the army and he had the GI Bill. And so I went off to school and the GI Bill took care of everything. But I see all my friends getting their refund checks and buying, you know, rims for their cars and taking out ladies to eat and going on spring breaks. And I was like, well, shoot. Like, where's my refund check? And then my counselor told me, well, you don't need it because your dad paid the GI Bill. But if you need it to live, I mean, you can apply for it and you can get like 10 grand. I was like, $10,000? Ten th- $10, <laughs> $10, I- I'm 18. This is 2002. I'm like, Do you know, I can do it. Th- 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 let me get that. And so I, I did it. And um, man, I- I'll never forget None of that went towards school. It went towards, I bought um, spinner wheels. I'm going to say, this is going to show how old I am. I bought wheels that just kept spinning when you stopped.
0: Oh, those are cool. I know them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know,
1: so I bought those, but I put that. It was $5,000 on the car that the transmission was blown in. It couldn't even go in reverse. So the car could only go forward. <laughs> but then we stopped the car. The wheels kept spinning. And I am think that was the worst money decision I've ever made in my life because I didn't need that. And so when I was exposed to you can borrow money and have all this cash on you, I went out and borrowed more money. I went out and took out more credit cards. And I was like, yo, before I was 19, I'm $35,000 in debt. And that's that doesn't seem like a lot today. But in 2002, at 18 and a half, that was a lot of money. And so I, I really learned a lot from that because I started getting bill collectors. They started calling my parents, looking for me because I wasn't paying it. Because no one taught me like, hey, if you borrow money, you got to pay it back. No one taught me about what is interest on a credit card. And so I'm thinking this is all free money and I can just pay it back whenever when... Now, when those bills started coming, I didn't have the, re- the financial resources to pay them.
0: When did you have your aha moment that, oh, my goodness, I have to pay these back?
1: I think the aha moment hit me when I had to drop out of school for making a bad decision. And my mom and dad just pretty much lined out all the bills because all the bills was coming to their house. And uh, I was like, hey, you right now, your monthly payments are right around $4,000. Erica, I wasn't even making at that time maybe 800 a month. And because I got kicked out of school, I had to drop out of school. I made a bad decision in school, and my parents was like, "Hey, we don't we don't condone that." So since you think you're a grown man, go find your own place to stay. I was homeless at the age of 19. I got four thousand dollars a month due on, on bills. I'm sleeping in the back of my car. My family, and my friends are thinking I'm I'm staying with one of my girlfriends. And I was actually sleeping in a Walmart parking lot. And life just really hit me there. Like, hey, the caliber of my future will be determined by the choices that I make. And I have to make better choices and own the choices that I did. And that's when life really hit me and said, okay, the first choice you got to make is you got to learn how to be a better man, make wiser decisions. Then number two, hey, if you borrow money, you got to pay it back. And that's when I really started realizing that I don't really want to borrow money anymore. I want to live free and have freedom. And so I started really just doing research and studying people. And, and I started studying Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Dave Ramsey, who I eventually connected with and became good friends and worked with them for a season and other people in the financial space. And out of all those people, the Dave Ramsey method just really stuck with me. And I just started rocking that method of, of having a debt free lifestyle.
0: How does it feel, though, in that moment when you're sleeping in your car? How can you feel hope that you'll get out of that situation?
1: You know, I think for me, it was, you know, some people may not agree with this statement, but I think I needed, my parents knew that if they allowed me to come home after making that bad decision, um, after racking up that much debt, that home was honestly going to keep me in that lifestyle. And so for me to go homeless... The hope was it matured me faster. It grew me faster. It it made me to look at myself in the mirror and to say, you know what? I was blaming my parents for not teaching me. I was blaming my friends for using me to get all the money. And I was blaming everyone else, but I never pointed the finger at me. And so during that situation, the hope was, hey, your life is in your hands and you got to take control of your life. And man, and when I did that, I said, Okay. And has has life been easy since then? No. Have I made all the right decisions with my money? No, because I've made a lot more money (laughs) since then. But I have not. I don't borrow any more money and I am living way below my means. And it just feels good to have that. So the hope came from really myself owning my faults, owning my decisions and accepting that, hey, if you want a better future, then you got to make better decisions.
0: So you've realized that, okay, I need to pay back this debt. What's then the next step practically to start getting you there? Are you working on earning more money or did you set up a budget? What do you remember what you did?
1: Yeah, the very first thing when I went home, I apologized to my parents and told them I was like, hey, you know, I'm not i I'm not a grown man yet. I'm only 18, 19, you know what I'm saying? That's not grown. I'm still a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents was like, "Thank you, thank you for saying that, because you're not grown. You still need us. And when you need us, you ain't grown, you know." So I was like, "All right, you're right. Okay, don't, don't throw it in my face." And then the second thing, man, my dad gave me a uh, a budget form, a Dave Ramsey budget form, and he said, "Hey, you're gonna you need to learn how to budget." I said, "Well, budget what?" He said, "Yeah, that's the third thing. You need a job. <laughs> you need some. <laughs> you need an income." And so my parents gave me a year to live in their house, and they said, "Hey, you gonna have a year. You don't. This year, you don't have any friends. Dating? Who is she?" What, what, huh? It, it was, you got to get money. You need to get out of debt so you can get on your own two feet as a young man. And so that was a very first step was really learning how to budget, bring in the income. And I went and worked three jobs. My very first job was a bill collector. in Erica, that, that was scary. It was scary for me to be a bill collector because when I got on the job, I didn't know that they were collecting for a particular credit card that I owed. And so while I'm sitting there calling other people and, you know, back then, you don't know who you're about to call. You don't get a list of names. The computer just brings up a name and you call it. For the first three months of me on that job, Erica, I'm sweating, thinking my name better not come up. (laughs) Call yourself. And call myself. Or nobody from this office better call me. I'm sitting here sweating. So instantly, my first two paychecks, I paid off that card. Because mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I can, I, I can get a they can, they can fire me. And so I did the morning shift. So I did the 5 a.m. because I was on the West Coast in California, San Diego. And so we will call the East Coast at 8 a.m. So from 5 to 3 p.m. I worked. And then from about 3 to about 6, 7 o'clock, I washed cars. And then at about like 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll go deliver newspapers. And so I was working three jobs to, one, get out of debt, Two, to have some savings and three, to eventually move out of my house. And so I think the very first step for me was really getting a plan for your money and then also having income coming in. Because one thing that I've learned on both of our platforms, we're helping people get out of debt and really get control of their money, right? But we can only teach that so much. If they don't have income coming in, that doesn't matter. So the first step for me is having income. And having a plan for that income.
0: On the debt collection, Ooh, now that you've been on the other side too, what are some tips for negotiating down your debt?
1: Oh, that's so good right there, E. You know, because boy, I used to get them. Boy, I used to, well, I was, I was, let me tell you right now, I was a number one debt collector because I just I just knew how to scare people. And I hate to say that. <laughs>
0: that's hate to, so bad. You sound proud of I that. I know,
1: <laughs> I know, but it's back then. But now when you ask me that question, no one's never asked me this question. Erica, you're a great interview. This is really good. Here's number one, if you're on the other side of it, don't be scared. When they call you, they're going to say anything and everything to try and get their money. The best time to pay your collections is the last three days of the month. On the last three days of the month, everybody, you can get your, your debt paid down to about 30, 30 cents on the dollar, right? So let's say, for an example, you owe $100 to be an example. You can honestly pay them at $30 and settle it in the full. Well, if we wait for the last three days they're going to update the credit report. And I'm not really a huge fan of the credit report, but here, here's something you should know. If you wait for like the last three days and you really hold your gun, say, you know what? I owe you $100, but I'm going to give you $40 and you have to give me a pay in full letter. You got a report that's paid in full. So there are some collection agencies that will do that so that they can get the money. Because understand, everyone on the opposite side of that phone, they're all commission-based. And they didn't, if you owed $100, they didn't pay $100 for that debt. They probably paid $10 for the debt and they're trying to make some profit on it, right? Mm-hmm. And so the lowest at that time we could go was $0.25 cents on the dollar without approval. I don't have to ask my manager. And then, two, let me tell you this, too. When they say, hey, let me get my manager on the phone, Erica, it's just me and you. We co-workers. <laughs> we put you on pause. <laughs> and be like, hey, Erica, Erica, come talk to him.
0: Pretend you're my manager. Yeah, pretend
1: you're my manager. And just, just run a play. this. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get $0.30 cents on the dollar. All right, cool. Mr. Neale, this is uh, Erica. How are you? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the uh, site manager here, uh, and uh, you know, this is what I can do. If you if you can write a check today, write a check today. I can approve 25 cents. Oh my God! Thank you so much. Thank you. I can do 25. percent And when they put you back on pause, and they all screaming, and no manager never came to the phone. <laughs> and so I think for me, it's just really about if you are on the opposite side, um, never do a check because I've I've seen it several times where they will run your account. Let's say if you settle in full for $30, they're running for $30 this month and they're running for $30 the next month. So never do a check. And my thing is over the phone too is don't do a credit card. Send in a certified money check with a certified letter.
0: Mm. So that way
1: you get it and then never pay them until you get it in a writing on letterhead saying, hey, we're going to settle it in full. Um, and those are steps that I do. And and I always try to negotiate for paying full letters um, and have them removed from your credit report. Not all collection agencies would do it, but the majority of them within the last three business days of the month. Oh, man, they're going through um, all kinds of stuff to get the money in because they have to report it back, too. You know uh, the bosses is like, hey, listen, we we collected and we made money. It was a great job for me because I was able to make at that time about two, three thousand dollars a month.
0: Wow, you know,
1: and, and back in two thousand and two,
0: because it was commission based and you were good at your job.
1: It was commission based. I was real good. I was so good at that thing, Erica that they actually moved me to Jacksonville, Florida, to open up, help open up one of the collection agencies. I went to be a, a true site manager, to where I had other collectors up underneath me, and I would train them and help them uh, collect money. But you had people back then making five, six, seven thousand dollars a month in two thousand and two. Now, in today's day and time, that may not be a whole lot of money. But to the average American making $5,000 now, that's real good money.
0: Talk me through the script that I can use. Because, for example, you said that at your place, you guys paid 25%. Mm -hmm. So, or you were happy collecting 25%. Yes. Meaning if you owed $1,000, if you collected $250, you're happy. How do I find that magic number of what I can get them down to in this negotiation?
1: Start real low. So like for an example, if someone calls you and says, hey, you know, uh, Erica, I'm calling from such and such. You owe this particular debt. It's a thousand dollars. OK, cool. Tell them the truth right now. Hey, I don't have a thousand dollars. If I did, I would have paid them. But I'm in a good position now to where I could do something. But I really don't want to prolong the situation. So ask them, hey, what is your best offer? And I'm not trying to play any games. Like, can I just give you one hundred and fifty bucks and we call it a wrap? Nine times out of ten, they're going to say no. Right. Uh, then nine times out of ten, they're going to come back with, hey, we could do it at six hundred. We'll save me 400 Then you come back and say, hey, I'll give you 250 Go to that $0.25 number and stay there Mm -hmm. and be willing to hang up. They're going to call you back the next day. They're going to make threats. They're going to say, hey, we're going to call your job. Hey, we're going to call your neighbors because that's called skip tracing. They they could do that kind of stuff, right? But it's like now, those last three days, they're going to come to their very bottom number. Now, what I will tell you is if you don't take advantage of it during those last three days, you're not going to get that offer again. And then what's going to happen is they're gonna go back up, or they may sell it again. They may sell the debt to another collection agency, and so
0: they're like, "Oh, it's hopeless."
1: Exactly. And keep in mind, you know, when it comes to the credit reporting, right? It's a lot of people think, "Well, I haven't paid this thing in seven years; so it's gonna fall off." No, 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 no. That's not the case. So if if I sell Erica's debt today, that restarts the seven years because it's brand new. And so just take advantage if you have the the financial resources. Just tell them the truth. Hey, I'll, I'll give you 30 cents on the dollar. That's the best I can do right now. I need to pay in full or send them a full letter. On letterhead, you can email it to me and I'll certify the funds to you today, overnighted.
0: Typically like I got really into learning about medical debt because a lot of my audience I found out had medical debt. And typically you actually don't want it to go to collections mm. because it's harder to negotiate once it gets to collections. Is it? On yeah, medical? On medical. Wow. But is that what it's like for when you read credit, credit?
1: Nah. When I was doing it back in two thousand two, nah. It, it, I never collected on medical, so I don't know anything about medical. I only collected on credit cards. Mm. And credit cards, the thing that I do not like about the collection agency is just that they're very disrespectful um, and they will say whatever and do whatever to collect those funds. And it wasn't something I was proud of doing. I know I never disrespected anyone, but I knew how to talk. Yeah. And I knew how to scare you a little bit before crossing that line. Because I remember one time, Seeing my mom cry after a bill collector called her, and I say, "You know what? I need this job, but I don't want to get to that point to where I have somebody's mother's crime." And so, it, it's really not hard if you just know how to negotiate and just stand true, you know. But with us, yeah, we always settled. I promise you, ninety percent of the time, we never collected a hundred percent of what the debt was. But are they collecting that on a medical? Are they getting a hundred percent on the medical side of things? Are you seeing that?
0: When it goes to collections? Yeah, when it no, goes to collection. No, okay, it's okay, also okay. a fraction of it.
1: Very fraction?
0: I want to say 30%. Wow.
1: I'm telling you right now, there's some I have some some guys in the collection agency now. They're paying five cents, ten cents on a dollar for whatever that debt is. So they're not paying a lot of money. And I think that's something for people to understand. Now for me, my my bills though, I actually did a little different. You know, so I honestly didn't settle. I actually paid them in full. It was, it was a spiritual conviction for me uh, because I really wanted to. But no, 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 no. Let me, let me retract that. I, I did settle on one, uh, but two of them on my spiritual journey, I felt bad not paying back in full. That's just for me, you know, because I, I paid one to settle. Then when I settled, I was like, dang, they gave me 100% and I gave them back that. Man. And I remember talking to my family. I was like, yeah, bro, cause how would you feel if someone did you that way? So that was a spiritual thing for me, though. I'm not recommending that for everybody. <laughs> I'm just saying that was for me.
0: No, I think <laughs> I think the practical advice you're giving is so good to learn how to negotiate.
1: You gotta learn learn how to negotiate on everything. I negotiate everything, even though I got the money, I can afford it. I'm like, just because I can afford it doesn't mean no. Wait a minute. Like, how how much is that again? Hundred hmm. dollars. What about <laughs> what about sixty? Like, I negotiate if I can. I'm going to negotiate it. Listen, I negotiate dates, Erica. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do you mean oh, by I'm that? Serious,
1: like, I, what first dates? I ain't spend no more than 99 dollars 99
0: Oh, that's fair. Yeah, exactly. That's you know fair. what I'm saying?
1: Because I mean, these ladies out here talking, about, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, we need to go to Ruth Chris, and I need, I need at least two hundred dollars. Well, no, I mean, let's we can do, we can do a hundred. You want to do a <laughs>
0: hundred? You should do coffee dates. Then you can minimize it to. Erica, I don't know about $10, coffee $10, $15? You know, my sisters. I haven't just, been in the dating world in a long time, you can tell. <laughs> Erica. Would that not work?
1: It just won't work. Are you married? You married? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Erica. I mean, I mean, listeners, please let her know in, in the comments, chat somewhere. Let her <laughs> know. Coffee dates in today's day and time just ain't working. I agree with you. I would love to be I would love to go to the coffee house. I seriously would, but saying this respectfully, in the in my community, the 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 African American community, nah, my sisters ain't going for no coffee date. <laughs> They're like, boy, you want me to put on some red bottoms and get all dressed up and get my hair did and you do all this type of stuff, and you taking me to a ten dollar coffee date? Like, is, is that all that I'm worth? And it's like the first date doesn't 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 mean nothing about how much you're worth. Is like I'm just trying to get to know you. But these is like, nah, I'm not about to get dolled up to get just only spend ten dollars yeah, it doesn't work.
0: Do you split the check?
1: No, I've never split now. I'm a man now. i'm I'm a grown man. now, now my my mom and dad will be upset <laughs> if I ever split it a check.
0: I think it's fine to split it.
1: you think so. E? yeah. I mean, but
0: you I mean, you're very
1: successful. How long have you been married?
0: Seven years? See or no. Wait. Why did I say seven? <laughs> T- together, seven, married okay. four
1: married four. So, from my platform, I, I don't see there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm not teaching men to split the first date. Okay, lead by an example.
0: Well, I thought I could save you fifty percent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like the negotiating you, you. I like that. No, I mean, but I think it's I think it's definitely fair. But I just think back to your original question. I think you got to really sit back and negotiate everything. You know, I've had the opportunity to be around a lot of wealthy individuals, wealthier than me, and I mean, they they negotiate. Yeah, You know, they, they said, how much is, it? Huh? And I think that's why they're wealthier. Because just because they have the money, just because I have the money, doesn't mean we need to spend all of it. I'm redoing my basement right now in my house and removing my studio from my basement to an um, actual studio building in D.C. And so I had a couple people negotiate, And, uh, boy, I spent the whole month just negotiating prices. Like, hey, 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 John. I had three people, John, Bill, and Ray's, for an example. John, Bill said X amount. Okay, 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 all right, Ray, Bill and John said X amount. So it that negotiating ended up saving me close to about $6,000. Wow. When one of them had worked on my house from the very beginning, and by the time I got back to him, he's who I really wanted. But I wanted him to know, like, yo, bro, just because you pull up and you see what I have doesn't mean you're going to charge this price. And so I negotiate, period, and I save money. And I'm like, yo, bro, I know you got it. I don't have it. I can't afford that doesn't mean I'm broke. It just means I can't afford to pay that price. And so we're going to negotiate and get the best price because I want to be a good steward of my finances as well.
0: No, I think that's fair. Yeah, I negotiate everything. It's a bit embarrassing sometimes because now people recognize me and they're like, yeah, you would negotiate. Like, that is part of your character. I mean,
1: (laughs) isn't that... I mean, think about it. If I'm trying to sell you something, I already know off the top. Oh, Eric can I negotiate with me (laughs) See? I already know it, you know. And when people see me, and it's so funny, it's so funny you say that because when I go out on dates, so when people come around me, oh, that's the money guy, you know. He don't eat it, put that credit card away. I went out on one date, and we were dating for a while. She was about to pay for it. I saw her go for her credit card, and she literally and put her debit card out. So when people deal with me, oh, it that's is funny. funny. Yeah, they just know, like, well, this is Anthony O'Neill. Let's not have this conversation, or hey, Anthony is not going to spend this kind of money on this. And the truth is, I may, but we're going to negotiate. We're going to have a conversation about this price.
0: If you're listening, let me guess. You have a passcode on your phone. And let me take another wild guess and say that you have a password on your computer. But why are so many of us okay just being completely unprotected online? We have no idea who has all our personal information online And whether it's the good guys or the bad guys who might be selling your information or worse, we're talking spammers, telemarketers, robocallers, people who want to know more about you and even where you live. My sister had her data leaked online and because of that, her identity was stolen and it was a nightmare to deal with. We had to lock down all her credit cards just for starters. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Aura, a sponsor of this episode. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. When I discovered it, I knew I had to try it out, just to see if my information had been leaked online, which they let me see instantly after I signed up. And get this, for my audience, they're offering a free 14-day trial so you can see if your personal information has been leaked online. To find out now, go to ericataughtme.com Aura to claim your free 14-day trial. Erica with a K and Aura is spelled A-U-R-A. Again, that's ericataughtme.com Aura. And I'll also leave the link in the show notes. Wait, so that's right. You don't believe in credit cards. You yeah, don't, don't have any credit cards? No. Just your debit card?
1: Just my debit card.
0: You realize how crazy that is?
1: Hey man, I mean, I understand that. I think for me, and here's my here's my truth, right? And I can say this now. I don't believe that credit cards are just it's not a bad thing. I think for me, I want to show the world that you can be successful financially and not borrow any money. Now, mind you, I have real estate and I borrow money from my real estate, right? But to go buy this iPhone, I'm just gonna pay cash for it. You know, to go buy my cars that I have, I saved up and paid cash for it. And it's not because I feel as if that having a credit card is just the dumbest thing in the world. I don't believe that. I believe that for the majority of the people in America, they cannot have a credit card. But Erica could. Someone else, one of my mentors, very, very well known, he does. But I just want to be an example that, hey, borrowing money this, you don't have to now of course when it comes to real estate you know my philosophy is like hey borrow what you can to go to go get into real estate build those investment portfolios up but why are we borrowing money to go to go buy a pair of uh, luvodons or Gucci yeah. why?
0: That's fair. If you know, you're if you're borrowing on a credit card and don't pay it back in time and have to pay interest, I agree. Yeah. That is frivolous and unnecessary, but generally, you know me. I love credit cards. I, I get my do, benefits, know. I get my points. <laughs> I get the warranty extension, I, I get know, I baggage insurance, everything that comes with these credit cards. I
1: love it. I love it. No, I'm serious from a personal tip, man. I just don't. I actually like the freedom of of waking up and knowing that I don't have any debt out there other than my mortgage. Um, and it just feels so good. Um, I remember when I went in to purchase my my dream car and it was like, yo, we need to pull credit. I was like, No, nah, I mean, why why are we pulling credit? I was like, You better pay cash for this? I said, Yeah. They said that is the dumbest thing you could do. I said, Really? I said it is dumb for me to pay cash for my car that I plan on keeping for like 10, 15 years. Because the kind of car that I I, I purchased, the body style don't change for at least 10 to 12 years. And What's so, the car? It's a Bentley. Oh. Yeah, I saved up for that thing about four years, though.
0: You're so fancy. Hey, man,
1: listen, I (laughs) saved. I saved for four years. I drove. You can
0: pull up in the Bentley and then take them to $10 Coffee because then they know you have the money.
1: But see, that's what I'm trying to do. But that's the problem. I pull up in the Bentley and they're like, why are we going to Starbucks? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I'm like, oh, my gosh. But I mean, you know, I saved. I mean, I saved like close to like 30, 40 grand a year and drove an Acra TL. Um, until, like, the wheels almost came off. I had, like, 213,000 miles, I think, right around 200-something thousand miles in that car before I sold it. From there, I bought a Porsche. I bought an old Porsche, like, 2014 or 13. Drove that, put 100,000 miles on it, and just saved because I knew where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be an example to people that, hey, you can do this financing it or you could do it paying cash, and I don't think there's a lot of people on the cash side showing good examples. Everyone that we see on the pay cash side is it's the be frugal and 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 drive the Honda with the ugly cars and live in his home. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not me. I like nice things, but I, I don't want to have to be in debt for it neither, though. So if, if that means I had to save for four years and pay and, and, and I bargained, see, I negotiated. I walked <laughs> up in that joke. I said, Nah, man, they had this price. I said, no, nah, I walked off. I said, listen, man, if y'all want this, it's cool. I went in right around the 13th of the month. I remember the middle of the month. And then they called me. The car was still sitting there. I was like, bro, I'm not coming in. Like, if you, you're not going to come in and sell me, bro. You should know this by now. I was like, I know A.O., I know A.O. I said, send me the invoice. I'll get the certified check, and I'll come up there. You're not selling me no extended warranty. You're not selling me to fix the will package. You ain't selling me nothing. I'm bringing in the check. I'm going to sign the paperwork, and here go your check. And they literally gave it to me for what I asked for. Wow. But I was also willing to wait. I yeah. was willing to walk away from it. And I was also willing to do research. And the, the the good thing about it was it was in my city. So I didn't have to travel. And here's the thing I was negotiating. I said, hey, man, they got one in Florida. It's about five grand over my asking. But I'm pretty sure if I call them right now, they'll do it. So the sales rep came back to me about like four days later and said, hey, man, if you come in and get it, we'll, we'll sell it to you. I said, cool. Great. Came in there. And it feels good to drive that car and I had the pink slip in my safe. You know, like I, I just love to know that I own it. It feels good. But I have a lot of friends who are doing exactly what you do, right? You know, they have a credit card. They're financing things. But they don't really finance cars. They're like me, but they... Yeah, they, they financing
0: have, cars is a no-no for me. Is
1: it for real? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. E.
0: For real. No. Yeah, you should I gotta not. I got
1: to bring you on my show. This would be a good You
0: should one. not be financing cars. You shouldn't. You
1: should What's not. What's your philosophy on it? Do you think? This is your show, and I'm asking you a question. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure I get this clip to put on my channel. Okay, here's the question, E. Why do you think financing cars is a no-no for you then?
0: I think if you have to finance a car, you're buying a car that's out of your budget.
1: Can y'all put the camera on me? <laughs> Come on, E. Let's go! No,
0: Okay, so one of the things that you said was so good was once you agreed on the price for the car... You said, that's it. Don't add anything on. Because there's this psychological thing that happens when you buy a car and you negotiate it down. Okay, you get it down $3,000 and you're so proud of yourself that you're on that high. So then when they take you to the back to the sign of the paperwork, when they start saying, okay, well, would you like to add heated seats? Would you like to add the insurance? Would you add, like to add this benefit? You add all these things up. And now all the savings that you got initially are counteracted by these things that you've added on. E- but they have like, they've because you felt like you had that psychological win, they, your guard is down by the time they get you back there to sign.
1: You know, so after I did collections, you know what I did next? What? So cars.
0: Really? What? Wasn't that your technique?
1: What? <laughs> we were happily talk down a price on, on the front end because we knew on the back end, we'll get you on a warranty. We maybe spent $2,000 for the warranty, but then charge you $5,000. So if, if you talk this down on the front end, $3,000, well, we made it up on the back end with a 3000 profit. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't know, and I hate to say this because I got some people in the car space, I'm so sorry, but those financial people who are signing the paperwork, they get a huge commission off of the warranties and the policies that they sell you for those cars. So it was like, you really have to go in there with your number and stick with that number. Period. Because everything is marked up tremendously in a car business. And then now, and I want to say this correctly because of both of our platforms, I don't want to misquote, um, it's, they can even go up percentage on the percentage of the interest and they get a, a fee of that. So I was like, this is interesting. This is like, wow. So they'll come down on the price of the car, but they may get you on the interest rate because if they go up on in the interest rate, They'll get a portion of that if they charge you for insurance and for your wheel insurance. I'm like, that is the yo, it will insurance for my car. They wanted like, what was it like, six grand for wheel insurance? I'm like, Jeez. bruh, no, I just add two grand to the savings. We good. Yeah, that was a good one. I just, you have to stick to your number and you have to be willing to walk away. Yeah. Because sales reps. Are taught very well on how to sell, and and what they try to do is they talk, hey man, how's your wife? How's family? They want to get you comfortable. Mm-hmm. Then when you get comfortable, so yeah, so this is what we could do, you know. Hey, listen, man, you just had a newborn. The last thing you want to do is hit a hit a hit a curb and dent your wheel. And then now you got to spend another three grand. And you just had a newborn. Just go ahead and just spend two grand and get this coverage, and we'll cover you. So they got you comfortable. Yeah. Man, I'll be looking at him like, man, don't try me, bro. (laughs)
0: You've been on the other side, so I've been on the
1: other side, and it's just me. I just done the research, and I know this is my number, and this is why I'm very big on emergency funds because things will happen with our cars, right? Especially if you're buying used, like what I teach, something is bound to happen. If if you're married, your kid may scratch a car, you may get a dent on a car. This is why I encourage three to six months of expenses, but then also if you do have a little bit more of an expensive car like a BMW, Mercedes, add just a little something on top for that, you know? So that way you're being wise and you don't have to dive into your three to six months of expenses, but you also have a car fund just in case something, not just in case, if. It's just a matter of when something's going to happen. I did actually hit a curb in my car and I had to get the wheel replaced. And what I found out was I didn't have to replace the whole wheel. I just had to get someone to come out and just fix the wheel.
0: And that was only $400. bucks. Yeah. i am like,
1: wow. So do your research, stick to your number, stick to the plan. You'll be straight.
0: The stick to the number is so good because this is another one that you can confirm, but car salesmen use, is they get you to psychologically envision owning the car already. So they'll say, okay, come in the car. Like, let's do this test drive. Feel the breeze. And they want you to envision owning it. So that your price goes up. But the whole thing is you have to have that price, your max that you're willing to pay before they get take you through this experience.
1: Oh, you're so good. That's good, E. Because here, here's what I'm going to do if I'm a salesperson. Let's say you come in and you want to drive, you say, you know what? I'm looking for a Honda. Well, they're going to go put you in a Mercedes. <laughs> and they want you to fill the Mercedes because it costs more. They can sell you more on the Mercedes. And so now they know, like you said, own how does it feel you own this oh my gosh yeah how much more is it going to cost in the honda well you know we can run the numbers we we can make it work for you but look at that leather you feel how that leather is gripping you the honda got cloth in it <laughs> and so you're right it's like you got to sit to your number and you go there if you know you want that car and that car is in your budget go only drive that car within your budget because they're going to try and upsell you with a better car, yep. a car that has more margin in it, right? So do your research, man. Just, just do your research. That's the key thing. I think people go into anything when it comes to money. They go into it blind. They don't research when it comes to purchasing a car, making an investment, investing into stocks, uh, buying a home. They're not researching on, okay, wait, is this a good number? Is this the best investment for me to make? Is this a good car? What's the quality of this car? Is this a good dealership? Are they known for ripping people off? And so the key thing that I tell everyone is before you purchase anything over $500, do the research. Just study and just See what's going on. Everyone's talking about the new iPhone right now. And I'm like, well, if you got the iPhone 14, why are you buying a new iPhone 15? It's the same phone, just with a new charger. Why are you going to go spend $1,000? And then I think they said like nearly 6% of the people are actually financing the phone. So why are you financing this phone when it's the same phone as the previous one, just with a newer charger, and it can charge a little bit faster, and it's the same charger that works for your computer now? That makes no sense. Keep your money.
0: Yeah. Do the research. (laughs) 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 Of all these things, what do you think is the number one thing that car salesmen do to trick you into buying more?
1: I tell you, they're going to be upset with me. We can get your payments as low as $399 a month, but your interest rate is at 20%, and your car is going to cost you about $50,000. Just an example. The number one trick that I think they get people is the payment, is the monthly payment. Because the average person only cares about what they're spending out monthly when the wealthy individuals, we care about what am I spending, period, for the car. And so you need to negotiate the price of the car up front. And if you're going to finance, which me and Erica totally disagree with that, you know what I'm saying? Then, then you can de- negotiate from there but for me it's it's the what's the price of the car but that's how salesmen get you it's hey we got you at your payment 500 dollars a month what's your interest rate
0: mm-hmm.
1: how long is it? is this 500 dollars a month for seven years eight i mean we have some car loans now going out to ten years with a 15 16 percent interest rate but it's like, oh I can afford it 500 dollars yeah but then three years from now you are screwed the moment you drive off the lot you're screwed But the more and more and more and the miles you put on that car, you will always be in this this trap of now you got this car on top of that car on top of this car. So that's the number one thing that I think they get people with is that right there, the monthly payment.
0: That's so good. Because that's one of the first things they ask, too, is like, okay, how much do you want to pay per month? And they can stretch that loan as long as they want to make sure that you get that monthly payment. Exactly. But that's why you have to ask, what is the total cost of ownership? And factor in the interest; otherwise, they're going to trick you.
1: And honestly, you guys, I, I'll tell people this: if you are going to do the monthly payment route, which I don't, I, I I don't do that. Don't start off at your your max number because they know. Well, they said five hundred, so they can really do six hundred. Go in there like, hey, don't even mention a number if you're going to find it. I, I can afford twenty thousand dollars for a car. What's the car? And that's twenty thousand dollars after tax, tags, and title. So if it's twenty thousand plus tax, tax, and title, I can't afford that car. I need twenty thousand dollars. All in, out the door. Love those. And they try to get me on my car. It's like, oh yeah, we can get you at that number plus tax tags and title. I was like, I'm sorry, uh, I, I can't afford that. I literally got my check. I was like, I'm sorry, no, we, no, 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 we agreed this was the number, bro. But that is the number for the car. No, 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 no. That's the number for the car. But y'all want more? No, no, sir. I, I'm good. He's oh man, we'll, we'll figure it out. They don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> Because they didn't make as much, yeah, I appreciate that, but they didn't make as much money on it because here's here's the thing too, you guys. Back in the, what, 2000s, paying cash was actually a very good thing because for financing cars, they had to wait almost 30 days to get the check from the bank. So if you're coming into a cash buyer or oh, you're getting the best deal because they had margin, well, now since the power of internet now, social media, the car is, is hard to negotiate. So now they make money off of you financing. So when you walk in with a cash deal, you're actually hurting the dealership because they're not making as much money as they would want if you pay cash and you don't buy any other products from them and then they lose out in the financing part. So I, I go in there, I just smile and say, you know, y'all gonna make, I mean, I want you to make some money. He's just not gonna make as much. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. You know, I stick to the guns, man. That's what I do.
0: I recently went on an anniversary getaway with the husband and it was beautiful. Here's everything I got for free. We got free business class tickets for an international flight, which meant, yep, you guessed it. I got free access to the lounge where we could kick things off with a glass of champagne. Then we got a free stay at a five-star hotel where we could relax and go to the beach. Okay, so now I'm sure you're wondering how I got it for free, and you know I don't gatekeep. so here's the insider knowledge you need to know. I did it by signing up for a free built credit card. Built is a credit card that lets you earn points just for paying your rent, and there's no extra fee. And when I say free, I mean free. There's no annual fee for the credit card, and they don't charge a transaction fee for paying your rent with the card. You'll also earn two times the points on travel and three times the points on dining. Once you get your points, you can transfer them to travel partners like airlines and hotels to then get the free business class flights or five-star hotels like I did. To sign up for this card, go to ericataughtme.com slash built. Erica is with a K and built is B-I-L-T. Or to make it easier, go to the link in the show notes. Again, that's erikataughtme.com slash built. I love that we've gone through your career of the debt collector and then the <laughs> car salesman. What did you do next? Oh, man, I think from there,
1: I went into just um, ministry full time. And then from ministry, I had the opportunity to work with Dave Ramsey and his amazing team and crew over there for about six and a half years. And and then now I am out on my own teaching the same message of really just having uh, the debt free lifestyle um, and building wealth. I um, mean, really owning your table. You know, the title of my show is called The Table, and it really stands for how do you take a seat? and on the table that you sit at. And I'm really gearing it and focusing really on minority group of people Mm -hmm. and really taking the education that I've, I've learned from working with Dave, from being out there in the world and all my mistakes and taking it back to uh, the minority communities and cultures and schools, so I can teach them the truth about debt. Because I really wish somebody taught me this, the basic stuff: how to finance, how to not finance, how to budget, how to uh, finance a home properly. You know how to make good investments. What is a what is a Roth IRA? I was just in a barber shop the other day, and my barber didn't even know what an IRA was. And I was like, okay, yeah, I got a lot of work to do because the basics. A lot of people want to make a lot of money and make it quick, but they don't know what to do with the money when they get it. Mm -hmm. And we make bad decisions. So now I'm in the space of like just really taking this message uh, to the minority group of people and, and individuals. And I'm having a blast doing it because just seeing someone's face, you know, seeing a single mother of two kids, understanding and learning what's a custodial Roth IRA. You know, um, learning how to set her kids up to be better than her. And then what she is at now just puts joy in my heart to really teach the basic of financial literacy. Um, and I turn a lot of them on to you, too. I'm like, yo, she be dropping some facts, y'all. She be teaching you some things on how to get them you know, watch her. And so uh, I just I just love doing that. I really do.
0: I love it. Let's, let's do the investing then, because I feel like investing is the thing that it's not intuitive. Right budgeting, people are like, okay, I think I get it. But investing, there is this level of intimidation too, where it is. people are like, well, I didn't see my parents investing. I don't know anyone around me who invests. So how the heck do I do it? So where do you think people should start?
1: I mean, here, this is not going to be a most a popular one, because it doesn't produce a lot of money, but it will produce a lot of money is you got to invest into yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to start learning, you know, what podcasts are you listening to? Are you listening to Erica? Are you listening to myself? Are you listening to Dave Ramsey? Are you listening to people like Earn Your Leisure? Stuff like that. Or who are you listening to invest into your mind to grow your understanding? That's key. And so when I started doing that, I started learning things like, wait a minute, HSA? A health savings account? What is that? And okay, wait, the HSA is attached to a high deductible health insurance plan. Well, what's a high deductible health insurance plan? And I'm like, well, wait, high deductible health insurance plan on my payroll is only like $100 out of my check? But I was doing PPO because when I was doing PPO, my mom said, that's the best health insurance to get. I'm like, is it for me at my age? And so when I started learning these things, I went down to a a high deductible plan, which simply means that I pay like $8,000, the first $8,000, which is attached to an HSA. That HSA, I can use that for all medical expenses or I can invest that money. And so, as I like really learning these kind of things. So, for me investing, I always start number one with a 401k if you have a job. That's gonna be a Roth or a traditional. From there, I go to an IRA, uh, which is gonna be a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA. Then, from there, I max out my HSAs. And those are the three main things that I really teach to start off with. Mm-hmm. Because the 401k, you're gonna get your company match. The IRA is just like a 401k for the most part, but you're just not getting a match. And then the HSA, you can use that tax-deferred money to pay for medical expenses. And if you have a whole lot in there, you can invest part of it to where that can grow and then eventually use that for medical expenses down the road. Because we all know, I think what the study is showing that we're gonna need about $300,000 just for medical expenses when we get older. So if we're investing into an avenue tax-free to where we can use that money, why not take advantage of it? So those are the three first places that I teach people to really invest into when it comes to that. And it's very important. 401k needs to be at least the company match, right? So if it's 3%, 5%, you need to at least do that. The goal overall for me is I'm looking at my gross number and I'm investing at least 10 to 15% of that. That's what I'm doing, Period. And then outside of investing, those three things, I always tell people the next one is real estate. Get into real estate and start a business. Those are the five main investments that I teach within my community. Like do the three things that, you know, guarantee long term will bring compound interest. Uh, invest into yourself as far as in a business, something that you own, something that can produce revenue instantly for you now. And then real estate, you know, um, and there's a secret of real estate that I tell people. It's not really a secret. But it's more so of like, instead of for just looking at property, look at land. Because we can't make no more land. So go buy some land and sit on that. Put it in a trust. Put it somewhere where so we can just sit on it for a while. And then, of course, get you some, some uh, real estate after that. But those are the five main things that I teach.
0: I like that. Let's dig into the HSA a bit more because I don't think we've had a guest talk about the HSA. Cool. Can you just explain... Very basics. If someone has never heard of an HSA, what we're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a health savings account is very basic, on a very basic stage, right? Is go to your job, if you have a job, right? Go to them and ask them, do you have a high deductible plan? Because a health savings account is only attached to a high deductible plan, a high deductible plan simply means that before your health insurance kicks in, you're going to have to pay whatever that that deductible is. So for me and my company, my high deductible is $8,000. So let's say if I go to the hospital today and it costs me $1,000, well, I'm going to report it to my health insurance, but I got to pay the $1,000. But the moment it gets to $8,001, my health insurance will kick in. So a HSA is always attached to a high deductible plan. So a HSA also allows you with that job Since you do have a high deductible, you can put money into that HSA account via your job. So before your check comes, they'll they'll take out $100 for an example, put it inside of the HSA. This is going to be before taxes are taken out, right? So now that's tax-deferred money. There's tax-free money in here uh, that you can use. And you can take that money, let's say for the HSA, let's say you do get sick. Let's say you need to go to the doctor. You can take that $100 and spend it on your doctor visit. And you didn't pay taxes on $100. But for a lot of people, because I always recommend this for, like, young, healthier people, Mm -hmm. man, they'll have $5,000, $6,000, $10,000 in an account. And they may use $1,000 of that for their medical, but they'll go and invest the other $9,000. So you can have your HSA company invest that $9,000 for you, and now you're getting that compound interest. The trick is, though, eventually the goal for that account is to use that money for medical expenses. If you don't use it for medical expenses, you will have to pay taxes and, and, and penalties if you pull it out earlier. But if you wait to the time to pull it out, then you only just pay the taxes at that time. But for me, my goal is to never use it for anything outside of medical because when I get older, I'm going to need to I'm going to need some medical money. And so why not use that tax free money on my medical expenses?
0: And that's why they call it, what is triple tax savings? Is that what they say? Yeah,
1: because you're saving it. Like you're saving it on the front end. You're saving it when you're spending it. And you're saving it up front when you get older, as long as you use it for medical expenses. That's the key thing.
0: Okay, so the first three steps are the 401k. Yes. Then IRA. Yes. Then... HSA, what we just talked about. Right. When people then say, "Okay, well, what do I invest in?" What do you say?
1: I think that's where you got to do the research. I don't really teach people what to invest in. I always say, sit down with a financial advisor and go and figure out one: how aggressively do you want to invest, and then look at the type of companies that you're going to invest in. So for me, I do mutual funds, right? And I sit down with the uh, with my financial advisor. Even though I'm a money guy, you're you're a money lady. I have a financial advisor that tells me, "Hey, here's what's working. Here's what's not working. We tend to blend some things and." Because of I, I'm young and I like to see my money grow. I may invest. I, I'm a very aggressive investor, but I tell everyone I try not to teach. Hey, invest into this, invest into that. Because there's two things. Well, it's really three things when it comes to investing and what to invest into. Number one, you need to get with a financial advisor that will teach you and coach you on what you're doing and what's going on in the economy, so you can understand that. The number two, you got to believe in what you're investing in, you know. And so, as safe bet, I always tell people is a mutual fund right? So that way you invest into multiple companies at once, like the top 500, S&P 500 is a good example of that. You're going to invest into the top 500 companies. So if Apple dies, well, you still got Microsoft and these other companies that cover, which is a great investment route. I'm not a huge fan of single stocks, you yeah. know, but I know people who's won in single stocks, but the numbers show that the majority of people do not win when they invest solely into one single stock, right? And so I always tell people, give it a financial advisor, Talk about what you're really interested in. Learn what's out there. I always say, bare minimum, have a mutual fund opened so that way you can invest into that. Figure out if you want to go aggressive or not as aggressive. See if you want to invest in the stocks or bonds or certificates. I mean, really have that conversation with your financial advisor. But when it comes to the 401k, I tell everyone up top, if you have an option between Roth or traditional, you go Roth. Yeah. You know, so go ahead and pay your taxes now. Let it grow tax-free. That's all your money at 59 and a half or 65, whatever age that is. I forgot off the top of my head. And then if you don't have Roth, then you go traditional. Get the free money. But uh, I'm telling you right now, uh, one thing I learned when I was with Dave is match beats Roth, Roth beats traditional. So first is match.
0: Agreed. You know what I'm saying? And then
1: after that is Roth. Match is free money. Like if you're
0: not taking your match, you're you're leaving money on the table. (laughs) You're crazy.
1: (laughs) You know? And so match beat the Roth. Roth beats traditional. uh, And traditional beats nothing. So you want to be investing as much as you possibly can into safe areas. And then I think from there too, man. I mean, there's other things you can invest into if you want to have play money and try it. Cool. Great. But those are the foundations that I believe in.
0: Yeah. And I think... Even if you're doing having play money to invest into other things, it needs to be a smaller percentage. Absolutely. And probably only after you max out those first few buckets.
1: Teaching good. I did the crypto play, and I was scared, and I don't like crypto. But I was like, you know what? Let me just play $100. And I started seeing it go up. I said, let me put $20 back in there. (laughs) It started going up. I said, okay, let me put $10 in there. But I never went and just put five, 10, 15, $20,000 in there because it wasn't something that I felt comfortable doing. And with my play money, watch this, I put all of that, I'll say not all of it, I'll say about at least 90% of it, play money back into me. So I put it back into my business, back into my education, back into masterminds and groups because I, I am the number one investment. That I can make. I'm I'm better than a match. I'm better than a 401k because I can grow me faster than anything else. And if I'm growing and evolving, I'm going to invest better. I'm going to be wiser with my money. And so I but I tell everyone, yeah, if you want to have play money, instead of buying a pair of Jordans, you want to go put that into the, you know, to the crypto Bitcoin currency, I'm cool, great with that. But when you have some real play money, you have some margin, the best investments, like you said, is max out everything that you can on the safe side. Get aggressive a little bit with it on the safe side, but then what are you investing back into yourself that can grow a business that you own, that you have control over, that builds you a legacy? And that's that's the season that I'm in right now, is what am I building that while I'm sleeping, while I'm on sabbatical for a month, I'm still generating income. And to me, I get excited about that just as much as I get excited about when I go into a 401k And when I go into the IRA and I don't really go in there that much anymore because I don't want to see the ups and the downs because, you know, when you see the downs, like, wait a minute, you want to pull out? And so I just go in there once a year when I meet my financial advisor. And every time I'll be honest with you, every time I meet my financial advisor now, the number is always up. But when I was looking at it, like every month, I was up, down, I'm like, oh, (laughs) Lord. And I was like, why am I doing this to myself? And so I stopped doing that. But I will tell you something we haven't talked about that I love doing high yield savings accounts. Now, when yes. I go into that every month, <laughs> I do go into that every month. And I see those dividends that's deposited to my account. I'm like, well, look at God. Come on. like That's my date money right there. How you doing? I don't touch that money because it flips, but I, I think that's something that a lot of people are sleeping on too. They're putting their money into these bank accounts, the savings account, only getting 0.03% when right now, I'm getting 5.2% of my account. And I love it. And I have a good amount in that savings account And I love seeing, respectfully, it's a good amount of money that's deposited to that account every month. Yeah. And I love that.
0: CDs you should also look into because I think right now you can get above 5% for these CDs too. Man.
1: Man, listen. I like CDs. I don't have any myself because you know, you got to you got to let it sit there for a long time, but I mean, I think at this season of my life, it was wrong with that.
0: But what a lot of people don't realize about CDs is they think your money is locked in there. If you get a 12-month CD, your money is locked in there for 12 months. It's not necessarily. So, you can pull the money out and you're never going to lose the principal. So if you put $10,000 into a CD, you're never going to go below that. If anything, the penalty just means they'll take away a little of the interest you've earned. Uh, but it's not like your money's locked away forever. So I put a lot of my money in CDs. Okay. And then sometimes I do have to break the CDs. But it's like, okay, they'll take interest that wasn't really mine anyways. So it doesn't matter.
1: So break that, break that down a little bit more for me. So like, if I put $10,000 in there, And three months from now, I need Mm
0: $2,000. I
1: can go pull the $2,000 out.
0: Yes. And depending on where you opened your CD, they might take a bit of a penalty. But the penalty is just on the interest that you've earned, usually in the three months prior.
1: Oh, I got you. So, if I put $10,000 in and I earned, let's say, $600 in interest, I'm going to pull the $2,000 out. They may pull $50 from the $600 of interest, but not from the principal of what I put in.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But... Like everything that we talked about, it's negotiable. So Ooh. I had a CD with, I don't know, $100,000 in it. Okay. And I had to pull it out because I wanted to put, buy a house. Yeah. And they were going to charge me the penalty of the interest I earned was something like $3,000. So I negotiated my way out of it to pay $0 in penalty. So how
1: did you do that? And I, now, this is new for me right here. Yeah,
0: because what you say is they ultimately want, these banks want you as a client. And you say, look... I have a house that I have to pay for right now, so I have to take the money out of the CD. But you know me. I've been a customer for many, many years. And as soon as I have that money again, it's going straight into a CD. So could you please waive this penalty this time? And I've had this happen multiple times where they just say yes. It doesn't hurt them to let you to release the CD, but it does hurt them if you're so upset about this penalty that they lose you as a customer and you bring your business somewhere else.
1: You're right, because if they're only looking at the CD part, but then you got six figures over here in your savings for the bank, or you got six figures in your checking account, and you take all of that over the CD, that's good. That's good.
0: But everything with your bank, I negotiated. Like, sometimes I accidentally spend on credit cards that have a foreign transaction fees in foreign countries, so I'll negotiate that away. Overdraft fees you can negotiate, Call up your bank. Negotiate anything and everything.
1: And so, but you—you you taught me something about the CDs that I didn't know, uh, as far as the negotiating uh, the the interest and the penalty for withdrawing early. And I—I I tried to avoid all penalties at all costs. But I'm gonna do that. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna open up a CD tomorrow.
0: You should before you this should. show is
1: even aired. I'm gonna, I'm gonna open up a CD.
0: Another thing you can do is open up a do a CD ladder. Ooh,
1: so essentially yeah. you
0: open up a 3-month CD, a 6-month CD, 12-month and 18-month. Okay. So that those CDs will mature at the 3-month mark, 6-month mark, 12-month mark, and it's nice to just always know that okay, my next CD will mature at this date.
1: Yep. Now is that with your bank or you do that with like a, an investing firm?
0: I do it with, with my Navy Federal Credit Union.
1: Yeah, I love Navy Federal. Oh, that yeah. was a credit union who I told them about.
0: <laughs> Wait, mine. Yeah, I yeah. love Navy Federal because my dad was in the Air Force. So
1: are you serious? So, yeah, my dad was in the Army. And so my stepdad was Marines and my dad was in the Army. And so Navy Federal is in our family.
0: Oh, I love it. Okay, then I'll, t- I'll tell you another secret.
1: Oh, what's the secret? Is, okay. Talk to it?
0: So for Navy Federal, and I don't know if this applies to other credit unions, other banks, but for Navy Federal, if you open a CD, even if you just put $100 in it, that locks in the interest rate. So if the interest rate right now that they're offering is 5%, open up a $100 CD, and then 10 months from now or five months from now, you can put more money into that, but you're guaranteed that interest rate still.
1: That's definitely not working for my bank. I won't say the name of the bank, but that's not happening at my bank. I did not know that.
0: Because, like, we all know interest rates go up and down. And so if the interest rate starts to go down, you still have that CD open that's locked in and you can add more money to it.
1: And then it goes back to like, hey, if you... Put $10,000 into it, but then you need to take out $2,000. you are just going to lose money off of the interest, but not off of the principal. Yeah. But you locked in at the 5% yeah. per se, if that
0: was the number. Exactly. So even if you put $100 in, just and you need to take money out, just take $50 out so you still have $50 in and is locked in the rate. Wow.
1: Man, I love it. I, lo- <laughs> I love, I love it. CDs. I'm going to Navy Federal when I get home. Because that's that's just beautiful. You know, I, like I said, I just CDs. I've stayed away from them a little bit, only because I don't want to lock up my money. And if I was like, if I'm gonna lock it up, I might as well just put it into an investment account and just get more interest. And but I mean, the CDs now are looking good to me. The way that you're breaking this thing down,
0: it'll be good. And one more thing that I was thinking about as we we're talking is we know that negotiating with banks, negotiating is very important. Sometimes on the other end of the line, you get the wrong person. Maybe they're new. They're scared to do things. They don't have authority. Maybe they're in a bad mood. So a lot of times, like the first time I called to cancel that CD, to pull out from that CD, and they wanted to charge me thousands of dollars of that interest that I had earned, the lady said, sorry, I'm going to charge you. And I tried my negotiating and she's like, "Sorry." So then I was like, okay, I'll actually please leave it as is. I'm gonna call back, and so I call back. I get another person, do the same thing, and he says, okay, no problem. We're gonna waive that. You get to keep all the interest. So don't just take no <laughs> the first no that you hear. Sometimes you just have the wrong person.
1: Listen, I'm you're you're right. The hanging up and calling back and hanging up and calling back, it really works. I mean, you negotiate and respect people in the process of negotiating. Man, you, you can get close to what you're aiming for and i think that is a secret to negotiating be kind and be respectful don't be rude don't say man girl, you crazy no no hey thank you so much ma'am thank you so much sir i understand you can't get there i totally understand and come back yeah and, and people always respect people who are respectful but if you're negotiating in a nasty and a disrespectful in a rude way I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't want to work with you (laughs) neither. Even if I could get you to that price, the fact that you were disrespectful and rude in the process of it, I don't want to give it to you. But if you're kind and sweet and sound like Erica on her podcast, then why not? I'll give it to you. (laughs) And and here's another thing, Erica, that a lot of people don't know is when I say do the research, go on their website and see how long has that car been sitting on that lot because once you hit 90 to about 100 and something days, they're actually losing money on that car because it's just sitting there on the lot. So I honestly love looking, okay, has this car been there for about 100 days? Cool. That means price is priced too high. So if I come in there with cash, like, hey, I'm going to give you a deal today, paid cash. They're actually a little excited about that because that car has been sitting there where you're probably saying, well, Anthony, how are they losing money on that car? Well, if they have Let's say they have $30,000 locked into this car and it's just been sitting there. Well, that's $30,000 that they cannot use to go buy another car. Mm. So if you go in there and say, hey, listen, I'll give you $30,000 or I'll give you $28,000 for the car. Well, they get $28,000 of their money back to go now shop for another car and get a better deal for the next time they sell the car. So I'm always doing the research on how long has it been there? If it just got there within the last week or two, I'm not going to get the best deal because it's it's, it's been there. It just got there. I mean, and so if it just got there within two weeks, I'm definitely waiting for the last day of the month. Not Mm -hmm. the last three. If it's the 30th of the month, I'm going on the 30th of the month.
0: And why the 30th of the month?
1: It's commission-based.
0: Car dealers are not paid. That's right.
1: Most of the car dealerships, not all, most of the car dealerships, I would say almost 80% of them, are not paid a salary monthly. They'll get a stipend, like an advancement, like three to $500 a week, a week, but the majority of their money comes from the commission of the car. And so I'm going the last day because I'm going to help them get a paycheck. And that salesperson can't make the final decision. It's going to go to the sales manager, right? They're going to fight hard for the sales manager to get this deal to go through because they want to eat next month. Mm-hmm. And so the sales manager eats off of what they sell too. So when it comes to negotiating, last day of the month, do your research. And if it's been there longer than 90 days, oh, you're in a good sweet spot.
0: One of the things you were saying was that you invest in yourself and that's the best investment because you can guarantee that there's going to be a return on investment there. What would you spend $1,000 on if you're investing on yourself?
1: I would spend $1,000 to sit in a room with you for one day to learn how you built your platform. I would honestly spend $10,000 in a room with Erica to learn how she built her platform. Because the thing is, there's things that you teach on your podcast that's free and it's great, but there's clearly a science that you and your husband have, have learned to really build the platform you have. I think a lot of people sleep on that. Like, well, why would I spend that much money to sit down with somebody to learn something? Man, you put Bill Gates in this room. You you put a Dave Ramsey in this room. You put a you put a LeBron James. You put a Mark Cuban in the room, and they say, "Hey, I'm going to spend a day with you." Hey, hey, you put Jay Z in this room. You know what I'm saying? And I'm gonna spend a day with you, but it's gonna cost you ten grand, fifteen grand, thousand dollars. I'm I'm paying that money because of the wisdom. That will come from that because of I I get to pick Erica. I get to ask you specific questions like, hey, Erica, I mean, you got millions on like Snapchat and millions on YouTube. Like, what are you doing? And you're helping other people make money. Like how? What should I do? And I'm going to get that information. And so once I learn, Erica, oh, man. Oh, you can't stop me. Once you show me what to do, once I learn what to do. Oh, this is why I say I'm better than a 401k. Because now I'm going to take that information and I'm going to go copy the cat just my own way. And I'm going to duplicate what you taught me in my own flavor with my own touch. That's guaranteed income that's coming. I ain't going to make five, dollars $20,000 in one month. I'm not going to make that on a 401k right, right now. You know what I'm saying? So for me, investing into myself, I'm looking for mentors. I'm looking for coaches that I can invest into them in return, they're investing into gaining my knowledge, my experience, so I can go out here and duplicate myself and teach that to my team, teach that to my staff, and learn and grow and evolve. And that's the very first thing. When I stepped out of my own, I'll be honest, man, I spent I spent a lot of money to be a part of a mastermind. That mastermind group taught me so much that I, I didn't know. I'm sitting at tables with people who are making $100,000 a day. And I'm like, wait, what? Excuse me? I think one thing that we did well on this podcast today is we went very practical. They went super practical. Anthony, do A, B, C in that order. And watch, you'll be making good money. And I did A, I did B, I did C. And I went back to them and said, and see what you did. Because I now learned so much and I'm making good money. So that's what I would invest into. It's just really the knowledge and the wisdom Mm -hmm. and getting a coach. Um, and if you ever have a mastermind, just let me know. I'm going to do it myself.
0: <laughs> just get lunch with me anytime. <laughs> From this mastermind that you paid for, what was the one concrete piece of advice that made you the most money as soon as you implemented it?
1: Communicating is not selling. I am a great communicator. I know how to get on the stage and I'm, I'm a preacher at heart. You know, So I'm a, cre- I'm a Christian. So I grew up with seminary school. I, I know how to get on the stage and encourage people. But encouraging people is not selling. And I thought I can get on there and I could just, just get them excited to buy into my product. That didn't work. I failed. There's an art to selling. There's an art of really learning why people want to buy. And when you can learn that art, combine that with your words of encouragement, man, the magic is there. And so in there, I had to really learn how to convince, not really convince, I had to learn how to sell properly on stage, on my show, and not sell in a grimy way because I don't want to be that guy. But I want to be authentic with what I'm selling. But I also want to make sure that I'm selling in a way. That's good right there. I want to make sure that I'm selling in a way that convinces you that you need this. Like there's something in you that's saying, I need something like this. I need to do better at showing that I have that. I wasn't good at doing that. And so there was this one guy who literally coached me for uh, six months and I paid him about $3,000 a month to be my sales coach. And he taught me like, hey, here's how you get someone's felt need. And when you can understand their felt need and show that you have the answer to that felt need, you have the solution to their problem, you're selling like crazy. And I mean, the first time, the very first month that we launched with him being my sales coach, we did over $200,000 in sales. Wow. And I'm like, wow. But again, I paid to be in that room. When I got into that room, not everyone in the room could really help me, but I found the people in the room that I could help one be a service to and who they can help me. And man, it that's it's just been a great, and I was giving them some love. It's the Wellspring Group, you know, it's a great group of people, young entrepreneurs who are uh, Christian believers and said, hey, we want to help build a kingdom and help make kingdom millionaires. And man, it's just been a blessing.
0: I love that. It was, a good, that. It was a good
1: thing. Sales. I, and I hate selling. Can I be honest? I
0: hate selling.
1: I hate it. Because I'm like, I wish I could do what I do for free and still live the life that I want to live. But I mean, it's like I never want to be the guy that's a grimy salesperson. But because of him, I learned how to how to sell and feel good about what I'm selling. Mm-hmm. And that's that has helped me out a whole lot. Uh, because to have some of my platform and then it's not generating income, That was that was rough.
0: But I think that we both have a similar mentality and business format here where 99% of the content that we put out is free. Yes. Anyone can access it. And then just 1% of the content for people who want to go even deeper with us, they can buy your Impact Creator Society or they can buy My3D Money. And those are just for the 1% of people who want to go deeper. But for the majority of people, our content is always going to be free. And that's how we have the impact that we want to have, right?
1: Absolutely. I I believe in giving away as much as I possibly can for free. And even my philosophy is if I do sell something, it needs to be super affordable because, you know, we both teach our people to be wise and and good stewards of their money. So I can't tell someone to budget, but then I'm charging them a $15,000 product. It just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So my product is like my ICS uh, Impact Creative Society program is on like $67 a month. That's affordable, uh, but it's going to generate you income. So it's like for me, I try to give as much away for free as long as I possibly can. But at the end of the day, both of us, you know, you're married. I'm trying to get married one day. We got to eat too. And so we got to make products that is worth your while to invest in. And that's one thing that we're very big on our team is like, is this product worth what we're going to charge? And if if that answer is yes, we won't charge it. It needs to be worth more than what Mm. you're going to pay. If it's worth more than that fee, then we have a good product. If it's only worth that product, then yeah, we don't. We're not going to sell it. We need to go back to the drawing board and come out with something that you feel like when you get it in your hands, it's just wow. Thank you, Al. And that's that's
0: one thing we're working on now. All right, let's do a little rapid fire round. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if someone says, "I want to be a millionaire," what are the three things that they have to learn in order to become a millionaire?
1: Ooh. Uh millionaire, one, vision. You got to have a vision of where you're going. Aim at nothing. You hit that all the time. So number one, you got to have a vision and clear direction. Number two, um, you got to, I think at the end of the day, you got to figure out a business that you can run and own yourself. And number three, my philosophy, and I'm not looking at Erica when I say this, is you got to learn how to not have as a lot of debt. You can't have a lot of debt. Okay. that Those are my three things. Vision, business owner, avoid
0: debt. Good. Okay. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's not like I like I debt. Know, I know. By I, the know way. I know. I know. I think I know. it's. I think using credit cards in a smart way. way? Is great.
1: I got to bring her on my show. We got to have a talk <laughs> about
0: it. Okay. Next, if someone has so much debt that they are feeling hopeless, what do you say to them?
1: I understand. I'm going to give them empathy from the very beginning. I believe empathy supersedes the feeling. It just like, okay, wait, I'm not alone in this. And while I only had $35,000 worth of debt, I would tell them like, I still felt the weight of it, but tomorrow can be different. And I tell everyone, don't look at the large amount of debt. Look at the first thing in front of you that you could attack right now. And then the next day, look at the next thing. And eventually when you know it, when you look up, you're out of debt, you know? Um, So give yourself grace. Get on a plan, find a plan that you could follow, Uh, whether that's a Dave Ramsey plan, my plan, Erica plan, whatever that plan is. You find a plan that you like and that you can stick with, stick with that plan, right? And then from there, man, your life will be different. And I tell this to everyone, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable for a season to change the rest of your life. And the reason why people stay in debt is because they're not willing to be uncomfortable. They honestly... Like being the comfort, the, the uncomfort they have now has become comfortable. It's it's become the norm. And I'm telling you no, you can change. Give yourself 12, 24 months, be aggressive, and you'll thank yourself in two years that you are willing to be uncomfortable and you took it one step at a time.
0: That's good. Okay. If someone says, I'm so inspired by this, what are the three things that you want them to do this month for their money?
1: Oh, man. Uh, number one, sit down and write a vision for your money and a vision for your life, Right. What is a vision for your life? Hey, I want to send my kids off to college, um, you know, with no debt. Cool, great. Is it in your budget? Are you saving for your college fund? Are you investing into a 529? We didn't even talk about that. You know, we can't talk about everything on the show. Man, this is good stuff. But <laughs> it's like you if you if you're inspired today, have a plan for your life, have a plan for your vision of for your money. And then two, look at your debt and start seeing where can I start eliminating debt from? Work that debt snowball, kill it. And then three, you know, continue listening to Erica and then come over here and listen to me after you listen to Erica. You know, I'm on her show, so listen to her first. And then come over here and listen to me and I promise you between us two, uh, your your finances are going to change.
0: Love that. This has been so much fun. So we have a closing tradition. Okay. The podcast is called Erica Taught Me, but really today is all about Anthony O'Neill Taught Me. Mm. So what do you want people to walk away saying, Anthony taught me this?
1: I want you to say this. I want you to, you know, ladies, tell your boyfriend... That Anthony O'Neill from The Table with AO taught you that the caliber of our future, my future, is going to be determined by the choices I make today. And the key word there is caliber. We all have a future. But what is the quality of that future? And I want your quality to be amazing. I want it to be fruitful. I want it to be peaceful. I want it to be prosperous. But the only way we get there is by making better decisions today. So ladies, tell your boyfriend, boyfriend, tell your, your girl, husband, wife, y'all sit down and have the conversation to see, hey, how can we make our future better? And that's what I hope you learned today on the practical stuff that we taught you on how just making the right steps, investing into these plans, investing into yourself, is gonna change not just your future, with your kid's future and your legacy from there.
0: That's so good. Thank you so much.
1: No, th- thank you, E. I may ask you on your show. You coming on my show? When are you coming on my show, Erica? <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Thank you. No, thank you.
0: If you've enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to leave a review. It really helps support what we're doing. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday on a brand new episode of Erica Taught Me.